and welcome to Lavender Hill here on KZM Lincoln, KZM HD 89.3 on the FM or online at KZM.org. Or perhaps you're using one of those handy-dandy, smarter-than-a-calculator devices and listening to the show on your favorite mobile listening app such as TuneIn or Next Radio. Or you could be listening up to two weeks after original broadcast date, tuning into the archives there at kzum.org slash archives. However it is that you're listening, I'm glad you're here. It's going to be a bit of a heated one today on the show. Going to try not to bite through my tongue, but also going to try my best not to have to use that big red button over there on the other side of the boards. All righty. Well, before we get into that... Let's go visit the not-so-great state of Texas. We're referring to an article from LGBTQNation.com by Daniel Villarreal, published Monday, June 20th, 2022. A judge tells Texas Attorney General to stay out of trans lawsuit. No one wants him there. According to the headline, a Texas judge in Dallas County has ruled that the state's transphobic attorney general, Ken Paxton, can't intervene in a lawsuit that would help transgender youth obtain transgender-affirming care from a city children's hospital. The judge's decision marks the latest legal defeat in Paxton's repeated attempts to score political points by attacking queer kids. Paxton's office has repeatedly claimed without legal support and against the mainstream medical recommendations that that, uh, gender-affirming care is a form of child abuse. At least that's what he and his office have to say. Dallas County Judge Melissa Bellin decided last Friday, so actually... uh, week ago this past Friday now, that Paxton hadn't convinced her of the state's right to weigh in on an argument between Children's Medical Center Dallas and Dr. Zamina Lopez. Lopez sued the hospital in March, saying that the hospital violated non-discrimination policies when it decided to stop offering puberty blockers and hormone therapy as part of its gender-affirming care offerings back in November of 2021. Children's Medical Center Dallas and Dr. Lopez had reached an agreement to let her continuing letting her continue offering gender affirming care until April 2023 as her lawsuit against the hospital continues. Paxton attempted to intervene. Let me adjust my volumes there. Uh, Paxton attempted to intervene in the case and opposed the agreement as child abuse, even though Children's Medical Center hadn't asked him to do so. However, Dallas County Judge Melissa Bellin was having none of it. She ruled that Paxton hadn't offered any proof of his child abuse claim, nor any proof that his intervention would further any compelling government interest. Paxton's attorneys pointed to the non-binding opinion he issued in February, stating that gender-affirming health care for transgender youth is a form of child abuse. His opinion provided backing for Governor Greg Abbott to direct the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, DFPS, to investigate parents who allowed their trans children to access gender-affirming medical care prescribed by their doctors, as you may well remember me covering. However, Lopez's attorney pointed out that Paxton's opinion has no legal basis since no state laws define gender-affirming care as a form of child abuse. 
Additionally, last month, the Texas Supreme Court ruled that the state government had no right to order DFPS to investigate the parents of trans youth for child abuse. The attorney general has no business being in this case and tried to push his way into it to satisfy a political interest, not a legal one. One of Lopez's attorneys, Charla Aldis, told the Daily, uh, the uh, Dallas Morning News, the attorney general intervened in this lawsuit with no purpose but intimidation only. Brent Walker, another of Lopez's attorneys, added, Paxton's office is expected to fight her decision at the Fifth Court of Appeals in Dallas. Paxton's and Abbott's views go against the best practices of trans-related pediatrics outlined by the American Academy of Pediatrics, the American Medical Association, and the American Psychological Association. The organizations find that gender-affirming medical care is medically necessary and reduces suicide and depression amongst, amongst trans youth. There we go. That's pretty much the entirety of that article there from LGBTQNation.com. I do try to address at least one in full for you, and uh, that's that's where we're at right now with that. So it's going to be quite an interesting thing to uh, observe what's going on there in the not-so-great state of Texas especially in light of the recent decision by five out of the nine on the uh, U.S. Supreme Court, or six out of the nine, pardon me, U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, Somebody needs to hurry up and retire. I think several somebodies do. But uh, we will get to that here momentarily. I want to keep going on and get some music in here. Uh, All of the music today is by women artists. Uh, because, well, without women, we wouldn't be here. So uh, we're going to continue on and get back into the music here with Christine and the Queens with Damn, What Must a Woman Do? And that is a question everybody's asking right now. All righty there, Christine and the Queens. All righty, so kind of go along with that what must a woman do oh my goodness well apparently there's lots of things that women and those of us who support them and whatever it is that they're doing are gonna have to be doing now thanks to a recent scotus ruling this is where i'm gonna try not to bite through my tongue uh this in the next couple of articles for you uh as we all know from uh watching the news reading our news feeds the newspaper listening to the radio you know like for example if you were listening to the kzum news program yesterday morning um scotus the supreme court of the united states in its infinite wisdom yeah whatever um decided as we all were afraid they were going to do to overrule overturn repeal however you want to put it roe v wade uh the landmark decision from almost 50 years ago that made abortion legal across the land they've now handed it back to the states to decide oh yay uh, and, you know, luckily we're in a state right now that doesn't have a law against abortion, but who knows what's going to happen while we've got the uh, 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 not-so-grand party in charge of things. So, uh, yeah, the Supreme Court made its official 
decision, a 6-3 to three ruling uh, that uh, Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization that the constitutional right to an abortion, which has existed for nearly half a century, no longer exists. According to the opener to the article by John Gallagher from Friday, June 24th, 2022 on LGBTQNation.com. States can now ban abortion and about half were poised to do so. The long-planned radicalization of the court by the right wing has finally come to fruition with the appointment under Donald Trump of three well-vetted justices guaranteed to carry out the right's ideological agenda. Yeah, abortion's not the only thing that's at risk. Uh, The decision isn't entirely shocking. The shocking part was the leak of the draft opinion from just a month ago. The unprecedented release of the court's opinion, which pretty much resembles the final product, was a sign that the court itself has become riven by partisanship that is supposedly rises above. Yeah. The U.S. Supreme Court is supposed to be nonpartisan, supposed to basically, if you are on the bench as a Supreme Court justice, you have no party. That's how it's supposed to be. Uh, and that leak, which I addressed here and gave fair warning about certain things of and was hoping against hope that it wasn't going to come to fruition, did this past week. Uh, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. According to Justice Alito, its reasoning was exceptionally weak and the decision has had damaging consequences and far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue. Roe and Casey, a subsequent abortion rights decision, have inflamed debate and deepened division. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. In a manner of speaking, yes, I suppose that is true. And hopefully uh, Congress will have a little bit more wisdom than the Supreme Court. The rhetoric about division is laughable, according to this article by John Gallagher. The majority of Americans, over 63%, support some form of access to abortion. This decision will only deepen division. It will, however, delight the conservative base that the justices are catering to. It does definitely seem like they are, thanks to Dolt 45's appointment of three of the most conservative judges on the bench. Uh, Going back to the article here momentarily. uh, The lack of regard for precedent and for public opinion is a very bad sign for LGBTQ rights. Indeed, Justice Clarence Thomas all but issued an open invitation to right-wing legal activists to find cases to bring his way. Mm-hmm. And a footnote to his concurring opinion, and we all know that the average person doesn't read the footnotes, but in a footnote to his concurring opinion, Thomas said that in striking down the legal basis for abortion, every other decision using the same reasoning is now suspect. That includes Obergefell v. Hodges, which legalized marriage equality nationally, and Lawrence v. Texas, which struck down sodomy laws. In fact, he named those decisions in particular. We should reconsider all of this court's substantive due process precedents, Thomas wrote. We have a duty to correct the error established in those precedents. Now, by the error, Thomas is referring to your marriage and your right to have sex in your bedroom without being arrested. And I'm not just talking about same-sex relationships there. I'm talking about anybody who doesn't use the missionary position. 
look at the strictest interpretation of the sodomy laws. That's what we're talking about. Uh, don't think that the right-wing lawyers who engineered the decision don't recognize that invitation, Gallagher goes on to say in his article. They will be hunting for their next target. And Thomas just gave them a hit list. Uh, if you think anything is safe from uh, the court's decision simply because it's legal now and the majority of Americans support it, the ruling is a reminder that six ideologues can easily undo years of rights with just one ruling with basically the stroke of a pen. So, yeah, you can read the entirety of that article and please follow the links embedded within by going to lgbtqnation.com. Uh, and looking for that article. I'll be posting the links later on, I hope, computer allowing me to do things, uh, to the Facebook page for Lavender Hill. Now, in related news, and this is an article from Friday the 24th on LGBTQNation.com. Yes, I'm just sticking with that right now. I'll get into more details about things as it unrolls. Uh, but this one by Daniel Villarreal. Uh, Jim Obergefell slams... The Supreme Court's threat to overturn same-sex marriage. Uh, Jim Obergefell, the lead plaintiff in the 2015 Supreme Court case that legalized same-sex marriage nationwide, has slammed Justice Clarence Thomas and his footnote in the majority court opinion overturning abortion rights. Thomas wrote that even though the Constitution doesn't explicitly mention abortion rights, the Supreme Court erroneously, quote-unquote, decided in the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision to treat abortion as a fundamental right that should be free from government interference, something known in legal terms as substantive due process. And a great way to get rid of all those rusty coat hangers, which, uh, unfortunately, will probably be coming back. Uh, Thomas wrote in his concurrence, uh, we should consider all this court's substantive due process precedents, as I referred to earlier uh, in the show. Uh, just, uh, let's see here. Obergefell made a statement in response to Clarence Thomas. Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court justice appointed by humans. He is not the supreme deity. The millions of loving couples who have the right to marriage equality, to form their own families, do not need Clarence Thomas imposing his individual twisted morality upon them. If we want to see an error in judgment, Clarence Thomas, look in the mirror. For those of you who may not be old enough to remember, there was plenty of scandal and controversy over Clarence Thomas being appointed to the Supreme Court in the Clinton era. Uh, he was accused, rightfully or not, he was accused of sexual misconduct, sexual harassment. So, yeah. That's what he means by questioning his morality there. Uh, so back to the article here for a moment. Uh, now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, 17 states have trigger laws that could immediately outlaw abortion. We've already seen the potential consequence of that. Some of those states will do that by defining life as beginning at fertilization. This redefinition is likely to impact the ability of infertile and LGBTQ people to have children via in vitro fertilization, IVF, the fertility treatment that implants eggs with sperm for implantation in a gestational parent. Uh, one thing to note about IVF is that that's usually the uh, fertilization of multiple eggs to increase the likelihood of the treatment being successful. And once the gestational parent becomes pregnant through IVF, 
Medical professionals discard any extra fertilized eggs. Without the protections of Roe v. Wade, it is possible that state lawmakers may feel empowered to create barriers for people to access medical procedures like IVF, which is deep, deeply troubling for LGBTQ plus people and anyone who needs access to IVF to expand their family. According to Shelby Day, chief policy officer at the nonprofit organization Family Equality, speaking with LGBTQ Nation. You know, another thing to think about is Roe v. Wade paved the way for HIPAA, the Health Information Portability and Protection Act, or is that Protection and Portability Act? Always get the piece switched around there. The Patient's Bill of Rights. And uh, for the limp biscuits out there, paved the way for Viagra. So we'll you know, just <laughs> think about that one. Oh, boy. There's a lot at stake now that Roe v. Wade has been overturned by the U.S. Supreme Court. And hopefully this will be a wake-up call to all persons out there, regardless of your religious persuasion or your political flavoring, that the powers that be within the government, whether they be Republican or Democrat or Libertarian or what have you, are, you know, maybe trying to take some things away from us, not just the free and clear access to abortion, but the free and clear access to marriage equality. Now, if they can successfully, which they've done with uh, Roe v. Wade, overturn that, if they can successfully overturn Obergefell, what's next? Interracial marriage? That may not be too much of a stretch. All right. Well, like I said, I'm going to do my best not to have to bite through my tongue here. So please bear with me. Um, want to remind you all that, uh, you know, I am just a commentator. I'm not a news anchor. I'm not a news reader per se. I'm a commentator. So that means that I'm going to bring up issues that are important to me or things that catch my attention that I think may be important to you, the listener. And I am going to share my opinions on those as often as I can and as civilly as I can. Uh, And I definitely encourage you all to form your own decisions. Now, we have the right here in the United States. If we're over the age of 18, we have the right to vote. I don't care at this point in time what your political affiliation is. If you are over 18, 18 and over, please make sure you're registered to vote so that your opinion can be heard in some small manner and enough of us voicing the same basic opinion that we need to get these old men in bad skag drag out of the Supreme Court No offense to any of the drag performers out there. We need to be able to do that. And we need to make that abundantly clear. All righty. Well, 
I'm going to go ahead and go to our bottom of the hour break. When I come back, we'll have a little bit more music and we'll have some more news to talk about. And we'll just have to see if I can uh, manage not to bite through my tongue. It's getting a little sore already. Emma's Revolution with Need a Progressive Woman. Uh, and that's off of her revol- or off of their revolution now, pardon me. Okay, wanted to remind you, since we're just a little bit more than halfway through the show, that coming up this afternoon at 1 p.m., that's Sunday, June 26th, for those of you who are listening in archives, uh, Dr. Lauren Olson will be appearing at Indigo Bridge uh, doing a reading from his most recently released book, No More Neckties. That's from 1 to 2 at Indigo Bridge, 1346 B Street. Um, no More Neckties, a memoir and essays. Dr. Olson shares the story of his life and its hard lessons. You may recall from a couple of weeks ago an interview segment that I did with him here on the show. All right. Well, I look forward to seeing who all turns out for that because I plan on going. So if you want to say hi in a less uh, decibel area than last weekend's Star City Pride Festival, then uh, you you know where I'll be for at least part of this afternoon. All righty. Well, going back to some news here. Article by Bill Browning from Friday, June 24th. Yeah, a lot of stuff went into uh, LGBTQNation.com Friday. Uh, Gay Republicans whine that GOP doesn't accept them even though they oppose LGBTQ rights too. Yeah. They're not going to be allowed to play in the GOP sandbox, it looks like. The log cabin Republicans have issued their standard response to being excluded by their own party. For the past 20 years, the group has tried to have a booth at the Texas Republican Party convention. They've been denied every time. This year, the party went so far as to deem homosexuality, quote unquote, an abnormal lifestyle. But the group is upset because they oppose LGBTQ rights as well and should have gotten a pass. Uh Uh-huh. President Charles Moran has penned a piece for USA Today lamenting that the group was denied even the most basic of considerations, proclaiming, quote, inclusion wins. He has also written op-eds decrying the Equality Act, landmark LGBTQ civil rights legislation that includes non-discrimination protections. The group is so in line with the party, Moran argues, that they also oppose transgender non-discrimination protections. That part of the essay falls shortly before the claim that the group's motto is inclusion wins. Hypocrisy, thy name is Log Cabin Republicans. Uh, To quote Moran some more, perhaps the Texas Republicans are excluding LGBT conservatives in reaction to the surge in leftist radical gender identity, or ideology, pardon me, that is swamping our schools, he writes. Here's something Texas Republicans may be surprised to learn. Our members vigorously oppose this radical gender culture war just as much as they do. At least that's what Moran writes about the log having Republicans. He went on to say that our organization vocally defended Governor Ron DeSantis and the Florida parental rights and education law and slammed Democrats for lying about it. He went on to say, we oppose teaching young children about sex and gender ideology in schools. We believe that allowing biological men to compete in women's sports is unfair. 
We have been on the front lines in these fights because, unlike LGBT activists on the left, we do not agree with the radical notion that sex and gender are meaningless. Okay, nobody's claiming that sex and gender are meaningless, just that the uh, layman's interpretation of them may not be accurate. Uh. So let's see here. Charlie Moran there. Uh, I, I, when you went down to visit Florida, did, was there a drag queen by the name of Rhonda DeSantis? Or Rhonda Santis, pardon me. Uh, who knows? Anywho. Yeah, so once again, the log, Repu log cabin Republicans. I'm not even going to go there with the name right now. Um, are, you know, saying that they're being discriminated against by the grand old party, yet they're discriminating against everybody else themselves, just like many uh, ultra-conservatives within the grand old party do. Uh, so, yeah, you can read that whole article if you want to over on LGBTQNation.com. I'll be posting a link to that on our Facebook page. I got to have some good stuff here, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. We'll just have to see. You know, it's been a little while since I've talked about uh, the war in Ukraine. Thank you to the Russians. Uh, the LGBTQ community in Russia and Ukraine faced major challenges this past week, according to an article on uh, LGBTQNation.com from Wednesday, June 22nd. Sarah Ashton Cirillo writing... Uh, for them there. Uh, chilling news this week from both Russia and Ukraine shows that even in the midst of war, the LGBT community is at risk of being attacked just for existing. According to an underground trans rights group operating out of Russia, a new statue was proposed to the nation's lower house, the state Duma, meant to increase penalties. This is statute, not statute, pardon me, statute, uh, meant to increase penalties for the promotion of non-traditional sexual relations. The country has banned gay propaganda. We all remember that from early in this show's existence. Uh, a schedule of fines was included in the bill's language for disseminating information pertaining to LGBT communities. The scale for offenses ranged from 750 U.S. dollars to just under 100,000, with the possibility of deportation in some cases. Those who could be charged with breaking the law ranged from individuals using the Internet to companies promoting events such as Pride and extending all the way to foreign citizens visiting Russia. While draconian acts were expected from Russian government entities, an event in Ukraine caused significantly greater consternation among local activists. This week, Kuev Pride released a video of uh, Oleski Arestovich, a uh, close advisor to President uh, uh, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, Zelensky, pardon me, from June 19th, where he opined that LGBTQ people have a disability. Got to read that over again. Okay, so that was uh, Oleksiy uh, Aristovich, who opined that LGBTQ people have a disability. The controversial appointee then went further, stating that while he believed in treating gays with compassion, he is against propaganda. The post from Ukraine's leading LGBTQ organization garnered over 100,000 video views and more than 7,000 likes in less than 24 hours and contained a call to action demanding the President Zelensky fire Astorovich. 
Uh, tremendous advances in human rights have been made over the last decade in Ukraine, but this folly just days before the country's main pride event by someone so near the nexus of power will be closely examined over the next days and weeks or any sign of fallout or consequences. So, yeah, you'll have to check that out. Please follow the links in there and please forgive me for mispronouncing names. I'm only human. Anywho, let's go ahead and take another music break here. I've only got a couple of stories left, and I want to make sure we get uh, them covered here without me feeling like I'm rushing through and trying to find what I'm going to fill the gaps with. So we'll do music instead. Local group, Pheromone Folk, uh, Cindy Zuby and Jan Deeds, uh, with Woman in the Wings off of their uh, Music You Love and Don't Know Why. Woman in the Wings, that's Pheromone Folk. They're off of their album, Music You Love and Don't Know Why. All righty, so you are listening to Lavender Hill here on KZM Lincoln, and I've got a couple more things to share with you before we wrap up for the day, or for the week, I guess. Uh, you may recall recently that I talked about a uh, New York library that had banned LGBTQ children's books after public outcry. Well, another public outcry has caused them to reverse that decision. Uh, and after the governor weighed in and condemned the move, the board quickly held an emergency meeting to overturn their decision. A public library on Long Island, New York, has reversed its decision to remove its pride displays and ban all LGBTQ-themed books from its children's section. The decision comes after widespread outcry this week and an admonishment on Twitter from uh, Governor Kathy Hochul. Uh, for many LGBTQ plus kids, libraries are one of the few spaces where they can be welcomed and affirmed for who they are, the governor tweeted. Our public spaces should be accepting our young people, not rejecting them. Very true. In a statement, Hochul also said that she would direct the state's Division of Human Rights to investigate the move. Public places are prohibited by law from engaging in discrimination based on sexual orientation or gender identity, she said. Best-selling author Jody Picoult, uh, who once worked as a page at the Smithtown Library, weighed in. I'm disgusted by the trustees who voted for this. And she had more to say in her uh, tweets there as well. So, you know, hey, some good news. I knew I had some for you. There's got to be some good news somehow, right? With all the stuff that's going on, thanks to uh, the... Uh, um, oh, let's see here. I've had crunch wraps that are more supreme. Uh, quoting somebody on Facebook there or Twitter or wherever it was that it originally came from. But yes, definitely. Uh, and I'm, 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 I'm really sure that uh, I'll come up with more things to make you chuckle over it because you've got to, you got to once in a while, no matter how horrible things are, there's got to be a little bit of humor or you're just going to go completely bonkers. All righty. Well, I hope all of you who went up to uh, Heartland Pride this weekend had fun, just like I'm sure a lot of you had fun at Star City Pride last weekend. There are so many wonderful things that are still going on in the community, and the National Park Service is actually doing something to kind of support the community as well. 
uh, with their plans to open an LGBTQ history visitor center next to the Stonewall Inn in the village. Uh, the National Park Service has announced its intention to open a nearly 3,700 square foot LGBTQ historic center next door to New York City's Stonewall Inn. Coming in 2024, the Stonewall National Monument Visitor Center will be the first LGBTQ visitor center within the NPS system of parks and monuments and is being sponsored by some of the best-known queer entertainers and allied companies in the nation. The center pledges to provide an immersive experience by hosting tours, exhibits, and lectures on LGBTQ history and culture. The center will also serve as an office for park rangers overseeing the eight-acre Stonewall Inn National Monument, which includes the bar, Christopher Park, and the surrounding streets involved in the 1969 Stonewall Uprising. The uprising marked the start of the modern-day LGBTQ rights movement, uh, you know, all thanks to a uh, drag queen of color. We can't forget that. Uh, Anne Marie Gothard, a board member of nonprofit LGBTQ cultural advocacy group, uh, that's a word to say, uh, Pride Lives, uh, a member of that board of directors, told NBC News that the center seeks to motivate the next generation of leaders by capturing the essence of the era in which the uprising occurred. Now, not letting history just go by the wayside. Uh, you know, there are so many younger generations that don't understand their own history. And this is something that will hopefully help with that. Uh, Gothard went on to say, if you've ever gone down and kind of just observed tourists visiting Stonewall Inn, you'll see that individuals of a certain age, because it's a bar, are not allowed to go in. So we really want to create a space that's welcoming for all, whether you represent the gay community or you're an ally. So, yes, this, this kind of visitor center is going to open the doors, if you will, for the under-21s to be able to get their education, not just those that are there to party. And not saying that everybody who goes to the Stonewall Inn is going to party, but, hey, it is Pride Month, so that, I'm sure that's what a lot of people are doing right now. <laughs> All righty. Well, I've covered a lot. I managed not to bite through my tongue or use that big red button over on the other side of the boards today. So we're going to hope that that stays the same for us as we go here. want to remind you that coming up in a little bit over an hour at Indigo Bridge is that book reading and signing by uh, Dr. Lauren Olson, author of No More Neckties, a memoir and essays. Uh, and I'll be there, so hopefully some of you will be as well, so we can, you know, say hi without having so much volume in our ears from the festivals, but eh, it'll be what it'll be, and uh, coming up here in the next little bit on the women's show with uh, the uh, interview segment of Sweethearts and Badasses of Americana and Beyond, Miss Twyla herself will be interviewing Roxy Copeland about her new album I Come From Crazy, and well... I think that's a fitting title of an album for Twyla. <laughs> uh, and then Deb's going to be joined by Eric Wieland, uh, who hasn't been on the show for quite a while. Uh, and he's going to be uh, sharing some of his favorites in women's music. All righty. Well, speaking of favorites in women's music, let's go ahead and get going here with some stuff. Uh, we are going to, uh, I think we're going to go to Mama Gina here uh, with Old Snake Woman. I think we need to be shedding a skin here just like her. <laughs> <laughs> 